Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. They don't look at football in the same way. You look in your little black box. I, I you you always hate me going to the computer You always search for something that don't matter. You always hate me going to the computer box. You've seen the film like I've seen the film, man. And it leads to a lot of disagreements. You're not answering my questions anymore? You just, this is a silent protest? Every Thursday at 5, it's time for former Chiefs linebacker Sean Barber to join the drive. We're very happy to be joined in studio right now. Congratulations on getting through your 9 to 5. A man who was born January 14th from Richmond, Virginia, standing at six foot two, 240 pounds out of Hermitage. You got it right. Hermitage High School. At Hermitage High School, he was an all district and all regional player as a safety. And he also played a little wide receiver. Not a little bit. Averaged 28 yards a catch. He went to the University of Richmond, a proud spider. He went there as a safety and then moved over to linebacker. And what a great decision. He was drafted in the fourth round in the 1998 draft. He was the 113th pick. He played for four organizations, Washington, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Houston. 501 career tackles, 10 sacks, 10 forced fumbles. All around swell guy. The person that I get all of my football knowledge from. I don't need pro football reference. Not when I have our guest. Sean Barber joins us in studio. Sean Barber, how you doing? Now that you know what? That was playoff worthy. That's playoff worthy, man. That that's definitely that humbles the guy right there. That you know what? I don't I don't go back that far many times, all the way back to Hermitage and all the way back to universe. That's but, only a Super Bowl intro. I wouldn't give you that on a week seven game against the Chargers. You know, um, that's just, that's a Super Bowl I deserve, introduction. I de- no, I deserve that intro every time, but I mean, you you give me what you want, but like Coach Dion said, I'm, I I pat myself on the back. Every day I get up. <laughs> no, I believe you. Every day I get up, I, I pat myself you. on the back. I'm doing things the right way, but. Barbershop, you know what? I'm going to allow you to pat yourself on the back even more. You never wavered on the Chiefs. What Say kept you? Say again. You never wavered once on the Chiefs. <laughs> what kept you? I didn't restore the roar. As a believer. What kept you as a believer Rob, this season with Rod the Chiefs? Rob. Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> what kept you a believer this year with the Chiefs? Hey, they stick. It's the process, bro. It's the, it's the understanding that uh, it, it, there is no guarantees in life. There's no guarantees on the football field. But you got to stand for something. Right, you got to stand for something. And the one thing I do know is defensively, uh, acknowledging the talent that was already there, present before they made um, the draft picks, and understanding how they were drafting, bringing in younger guys, uh, kind of fulfilling the ranks, building the ranks, building depth in positions, and then on the offensive side of the ball, understanding yes, they were they were taking a risk at wide receiver, but understanding the 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 way that their offensive coaching staff is built. With Coach Andy Reid and, and Nagy, um, uh, Andy Heck, and the, the other coaches they have there, and the way they can put together schemes and plans and systematically create offenses that open up 
routes that allow routes to develop, um, create angles for rushing lanes to come. Um, and then the, I mean, again, I, I just, I think I put a lot of faith that Pacheco uh, was going into this year and, and, and was ready to like turn it up to another level. I think that he, he, he felt, he felt like he left a lot on the field, uh, not only in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, but just overall in the whole season with the injuries and stuff. I think he wanted to put together a complete season and I just felt he was going to come back mad, angry, and we was going to see a different, a different breed of what he uh, brings to the football field. Um, but yeah, I think I think after the bye week, uh, I'm, I'm even, you know, I was surprised. I was surprised after the bye week, after having a week off to kind of get things together. Uh, that loss to the Eagles uh, definitely kind of shook the foundation a little bit. Uh, but then once the season was over, and it was time to get back at it, and I had to look at what other teams are coming into the playoffs with. Um, Miami rolling in here uh, defensively, kind of with some of their stars out, having to play at negative 20 degrees. The way I think that the Kansas City Chiefs have always traveled well and played on the road, um, played in different venues and stuff was, you know, I thought at, at worst it was a coin flip for the Buffalo game. And then the, the, the Ravens game uh, was a, just a classic. Um, Chiefs sticking with their mantra, knowing who they are. Like, when I say they knew who they were, they practiced the way and they performed and they executed the the game plan as as, as it was put in. I think they executed their game plan to a T. I mean, there were still problems in the game. Like, the Chiefs didn't play perfect by any means. But what is like, I guess, chuckled me about this entire experience is, like, if I had told you in week eight, hey, Kansas City is going to play Baltimore in the AFC Championship game, and Kansas City is going to run the ball twice as much as Baltimore. You're like, yo, you're crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Kansas City had 32 rush attempts, and Baltimore had 16. Like, that's the that's the one stat of the game mm-hmm. that is the most surprising to me, that Kansas City has fully leaned into the run, even when they didn't run it that great. Like, they didn't, you know, this wasn't a game in which Isaiah Pacheco had 24 carries for 117 yards. Baltimore actually did a pretty good job stopping the run, but Kansas City stayed with it, stayed burning the clock, controlling the time of possession, and Baltimore just completely gave up on running the football. Well, after, after the first two possessions and Chiefs go up 14-0, you, you see, and it doesn't matter what anybody in the building says, the Ravens definitely threw their game plan out the window and started to, like, forget those first 15 plays. We got to start matching scores with this team. Because if the Chiefs score 14 points in the first two drives and you feel like they're going to get eight drives over the ball game, they're going to end up with about 35 points. And if you don't start throwing the ball, you, you can't just run the ball and, and think you're going to get to 35. Um, and I think the part of that, I mean, it was the pressure put on by just, I mean, it was, you can call them ex-girlfriends, scars, wounds. People still remember the Chiefs being an explosive offense that can score in 13 seconds, can score 24 points to come back, uh, being down 24-0 in the first quarter and then go up against the Houston Texans in the playoffs before halftime. Um, scoring, I think we was thir- 31 in the first quarter against the Raiders one time uh, about three years ago, something like that. I mean, I think that those those images of how quickly the offense can score points and put up points and turn momentum, it, it, it comes back to haunt our opponents because after two drives, you can't see yourself down by 14 and think you're going to stick with the same game plan, which in hindsight, in hindsight, they only gave up three more points the entire game. And that, and that might be because we started to be more concerned. We started to be more ground and pound. But if you, if you could have told them – after those first two series, that the Chiefs were only going to have 17 points, they would have stuck, stuck with the run game. But 
they abandon ship, man. You 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 gotta you gotta you gotta trust the, the guys you practice with. You gotta know that, that that they got four quarters in them. No matter how the game starts, you gotta know that the guys got four quarters in them. And I think that's the the difference is when the Chiefs scored 14 points, they looked across there and saw their defense and was like, I don't I don't think this defense is gonna give up 14 to this team today. So they 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 changed their game plan too. Went to a run heavy ball control, managed the clock. Didn't need to be risky. Didn't need to give up sacks. Kept hunting. Kept kept playing like sound coverage. And the one touchdown was a broken play. I mean, like again, you can it, it happened, right? But you didn't. They, they didn't all of a sudden stop playing aggressive defense because you know Zay Flowers got got loose on one. I mean, I can only think of really. I mean, I I, I think there were like three big plays that Baltimore made offensively in the whole game. They had the fourth and one run where they did the design quarterback keeper for Lamar. He got the 20-yard rush. They had the big pass play to Zay Flowers where they got the touchdown. And then they had the big pass play to Zay Flowers that he got the taunting penalty where, I mean, I'm usually on the, hey, let him celebrate, let him do this. You can't push the guy down, stand over him, spin the ball over his head, and talk to him. Like, come on, Zay. You was doing a lot there. I think he wanted me. He was I, doing it, a lot. He might have wanted that one. Like, you know, like sometimes there's a there's a I hope not. They was losing. Again. Some sometimes a coach will take a technical to, to let his coach let his staff know, hey, I don't like the way this game going, so I'm gonna go take a technical to get our boys ready. So yeah, maybe as a rookie, you you shouldn't feel that type of uh energy. You shouldn't think that taking a personal foul on a on a touchdown drive y'all need. But, I mean, he hasn't been that type of player all year long. He hasn't been a player that talks a bunch. and does, So, for him to step out of his character to do that, I mean, again, that's, that's just another, you know, one team is playing chess, the other team playing checkers. Right now we're joined in studio by Sean Barber. How poetic was it that the play that clinches the Super Bowl appearance for the Kansas City Chiefs was a deep pass to MVS, a play that just – did not really work in the regular season. Oh, I was reading the text line and say they didn't go up 14 though. What was it 14-3 or something like that? It was 14-7 because they got the big touchdown pass for the Zay Flowers. Oh, 14-7. This text line. No, I mean. That, I mean. It's my life. That's your- <laughs> I don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't worry about it. Nitpicking. <laughs> nitpicking. Barber. So what did you say? Say that again. I just wanted I to know. How, I no, it's distracted. okay. So it happens to me sometimes too. How poetic was it that the Chiefs clinched the Super Bowl on a deep pass to MVS? How poetic was it? Just it, it seems like I, I'm a big believer that in the postseason. You, I got you. I got you. you po- to, poetry, yeah. poetry. Like, yeah, it like was, it, Edgar Allan Poe. We playing the Ravens, M&T Bank. We go up there and we rob the bank. So I guess poetically, you would say. I just wouldn't have guessed that would have been the player that would have clinched the Super Bowl. Poetically, we would say nevermore. I don't know if you get all that. You know, I got it. Okay. okay. I got I'm it. I'm kind of proud about that one, too. I, no, I can tell. I can tell you're very, very that was, proud. That was, that was like. I can tell you're very proud. That was like off the cuff. I asked Pete Sweeney this question. I know your the answer. The plaid prince. I know it's going to be some ridiculous answer. That's why I want to ask you. So Talking I asked Pete, Pete, hey, when did you realize that. Pete when did you re- <laughs> When did you realize that Patrick was different? And he mentioned the second game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And mine is the touchdown pass to Chris Conley. I know yours is going to be a training, training camp, camp story. Okay, okay so Cause just, we, cause I, t- I want to hear, the, hear the story again this week of when you realized that the Chiefs had Joe Montana at quarterback. <laughs> I'm coaching internship. I'm taking my notes. I'm stri- scripting plays. I'm, um, you know, you know, as, as they make defensive personnel exchange, Okay, so during training camp, you, you keep track of guys' reps. 
because you don't want one guy to be out there forever. So, so every time they make a personnel, you keep a little player charter. So, you know, you're keeping track. So as an intern, I'm, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing whatever they ask me to do. I'm, I'm being an intern. I'm doing a little scouting. I'm looking. I see him warm up. And they got, you know, they got a little target. You got the quarterbacks that throw it into the either triangle, the square, the circle, or whatever. They put it about 30 yards. They take a trash can, put it about 40 yards outside the numbers, and they you know, aim for the goal post a couple times and stuff. And when I tell you, I kept seeing this ball end up in the back of that net over and over and over again. And some of the throws, he wasn't even stepping towards the net. Like, he was, like, throwing it over his shoulder, like, no looking. It's like, boom, just flinging it. And I was like, this got to be like a magic trick or something. Like, like he ain't even looking. And the quarterback at the time in front of him was looking and not getting it in there sometimes. And I was just thinking, about, like, how can he throw this ball so accurately, accurately without doing it the right way? All the different arm slots, all the different. And then when it came time to hit that trash can, 40 yards downfield, I'm talking about when it didn't go in, it hit the rim a lot. And you, you just not taking the proper steps and the strides and everything. The fact that he can be that accurate that far away and not have to throw the ball like the same way every time to create the same outcome was amazing to me. And I, and I told people this, I think if you go back to the, you know, years ago to the, to the film, the only other quarterback that I've seen to throw it that way was Matthew Stafford when he came out of Georgia. He, he was just an amazing arm talent. And I was amazed by how that arm talent going to Detroit, when you don't surround them with the right weapons and the right support on defense and stuff, ends up having a, a mediocre career based off of the talent he had going in. And it wasn't until he went to the Rams and, you know, OBJ, you know, had a lot of, had a defense around him and everything else for that talent to like rise to the occasion. And here in Kansas City, they've, they've they just found ways to just like throw gas on it. Like his, his flame has got brighter and brighter every year. Part of it is him understanding, hey, couple first couple years I couldn't read defense, so he studied and learned how to read defenses. After that, they was going to take the deep ball away, so he took the check down. After that, they started to uh, take the check down, so he started taking the mid-level. Then they take his deep threat away, so he finds Juju and, uh, and other players to throw it to, right? Miko Hardman. They get rid of Miko. He finds Rashi. Like, like, like whatever the – solution is he's finding a way to work through whatever the issues and problems is to find some sense of success and then at the end of this season the season that everybody thought that the Chiefs would be on reset this is this is the, this is the year they're gonna slow down every the league can catch up with them uh, all these uh, uh, on, on the heels of Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Joe Burrow um, um, Jackson Right, uh, the AFC the AFC is now open for grabs because the, the Chiefs are not offensively putting up thirty points a game anymore. Brett Veach and the crew swing the pendulum and start to focus on defense. They go defense while everybody else is focused on how to match the Chiefs on offense, and then our defense comes out as a top three defense, keeping everybody under twenty points. I think what twice we gave up over twenty the whole season. Us going us us our defense doing that all season is just as impressive as the Ravens only going in halftime down three points twice the whole season. Like, those two feats are just, are just amazing to me on both sides of the ball. But when it came time to playing football, one team had confidence in their abilities and their playing and their profile and who they were and stuck with it no matter what. 
Right now, we're joined in studio by Sean Barber. If you had to say, like, what is Mahomes' best quality? What's his best trait? Because at least for me, and just I can give you an NFL comparison. I can give you an NBA comparison. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is great. He is a different quarterback in the postseason than he is in the regular season. Like, the numbers suggest that. There are very few players who are regular season great that also have the ability to translate that to the postseason. It's just harder. Mm -hmm. You cut out the bad teams in the league, the pressure, the scrutiny of it. There are different players. James Harden was an incredible regular season player. We have seen how different he is in the postseason. Joel Embiid went through a lot of that last year as he won MVP. It is just different. The game gets called different. Can you maintain that same level of play? The guys that do are the ones that win championships. That's the thing to me with Patrick is he continues to play at such an MVP level. And I would say he even plays better in the postseason because he cuts out a lot of the mistakes. His last turnover was the Raiders game. That was Christmas day. Mm -hmm. We just got to black history month. And the last time that he turned the football over was on Christmas. Like the, their defense has been incredible. The all, number all, one all of my months of black history. I don't, I don't know if you know that. That's fair. Okay. The yeah. reason they are in the Super Bowl is because their quarterback has eliminated the mistakes and continued to play at a really high level. Their defense has obviously been incredible. But if you don't take sacks, if you don't turn the football over and you eliminate negative plays, you give yourself a chance. Look at how Detroit lost that game. Critical drops, mistakes late. Look at how Baltimore lost this game. They had three turnovers in the game. Kansas City just hasn't made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of that is a testament to how good their quarterback is. I mean, listen, football comes down to trust and communication. It's not just player to player. Sometimes it comes down to, you know, your coaching staff trusting who you got on the field. And the, the more research I did about the Ravens going into the game, I realized they, they got a lot of hot air. They got a lot of – and you know what? I post a start – let's, let's rewind this a little bit. Of course. I wanted to open the show apologizing to Agent Zero. Roquan Smith. Last week, I think I called him a country bumpkin or something like that because I was so upset at hearing some of the ways he was trying to in, 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 incite and encourage his defense. You know, you know, we we got to be willing to down his field. I mean, he was using so so many um, similes and stuff. Um, Foxhole. I mean, he he plays a, he plays he played really well. Oh, you, that personal foul on. That was really well. well. I mean, are you giving that? That's a. I mean, that counts. But I mean, he did have 16 tackles in the game. They also held the Chiefs scoreless in the second half. I mean, I, I think Roquan Smith played really well. Well, we also focused Kelsey. We, we, we focused and targeted Kelsey 11 times. Oh, yeah. And, and it, Kelsey it, called all 11. Yeah, every single so, so, one. So, so, so <laughs> maybe. Every single so, so one. So maybe Roquan, you know, maybe Smith's agent zero's coverage. <laughs> Could have been a little better. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know what? That was, uh, that was Patrick Queens, man. Oh, okay. That's who, that's who was covering Travis Kelsey, Patrick uh, Queens. Uh, again, it was a lot of. I just saw a lot of fractures. Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't think the team was who they, who they was presenting themselves to. Be. I actually came away from that. Like speaking of the Ravens' defense, I actually came out of that game feeling a lot better about Kyle Hamilton. Like I knew he was good, but watching Kyle Hamilton, uh, you know, there's like some players, and you know, you play defense. Obviously, you know this. Like Brian Dawkins was a player who was just always around the football. Like if there was a play to be made, he was gonna make that play. That's how Kyle Hamilton was in that game. Like, Kyle Hamilton was always around the football, especially in the second half. He did everything to give Baltimore a chance to win that game. Their offense just couldn't capitalize. I mean, we knew he we, – we, we've always – like, I think we talked about that, that, that player as being one of the, the difference makers, right? They had the, the D lineman. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. The, the defense tackle yeah, was a beast. Uh, obviously, Clowney. Both linebackers, Queen and, and, and Agent Zero. And then the secondary, was, it was Kyle Hamilton. 
I mean, Cal Hamilton, you can attempt to put him on Kelsey, and that attempt came back void because he was eight for eight for a touchdown in the first half. So, like, when, when, you, when you tell me a guy is good and he's paired up with somebody who's great and he's paired up with somebody who can throw the ball great and, 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 and back shoulder it, well, your good coverage ain't good enough. Like, so who cares if you're good? Like, great. Great that Cal Hamilton is a good to great safety, but not to go man-to-man when Kelsey is playing at the level he was playing. Not giving him any help, not not punching Kelsey at the line with a linebacker before he gets, you know, like delivered to Hamilton and just assuming Ham- Hamilton's best was going to be able to, you know, cancel out Kelsey. That was that was that was a serious mistake. I mean, that, that w- that's what put the game where it was after first quarter. And that's what made you abandon. Your- I mean, so maybe that that defensive mistake, that miscalculation on defense might be the single most miscalculation that cost the Ravens the entire game because everything else was just a domino effect after that. Right now, we're joined in studio by uh, Sean Barber. Sean, really quickly, what do you make of the whole Justin Tucker ball in the end zone? You've been in these on-the-field situations. It seems like a a big ego fest to me on, on both sides, on Justin Tucker's side, on Kelsey, on Mahomes' side. This just feels like football guy kind of things. You've been on the field during these warm-ups. What, what actually is happening? I've got 100 or so probably ex-teammates I call my friends. Like, like guys that are former play, t- teammates are on my phone. I, I text them. I call them weekly. or every. So I, I keep up with a lot of guys. Of those almost 100 guys, two of them, two of them, one punter, one kicker. That's it. Lawrence Tynes, Dustin Colquitt. It's not that I don't like punters and kickers. It's just they don't. They don't resonate. They don't think the same way we do. And something has to happen off the field. It has to be something to bring your families close together, something um, throughout your playing days to make you feel like that person is, I mean, actually a football player. So I don't, I don't, know, I don't know Justin Tucker, but he plays a position where It most- actually was noticeable to me that, like, nobody came over and had his back in that scenario. Like, you had the other player grabbing the balls and throwing your helmet. Like, if that was a, a backup running back, it would have started a fight. Exactly. So what are you doing? Why are you, little boy, what do you, I mean, uh, young man, what are you doing picking <laughs> with grown, why are you messing with grown folks? They, they preparing to get ready for the game. What, whatever your preparation was to get your leg loose, you could have did it 30 minutes earlier. You could have did it 10 feet over to the right. You could go out to the numbers on the goal line on the hash. You could go to the end line of the end zone and get the same, you know, if, it was, if, if the goal post was the thing you was lining up against. Just go to the end line and face it. But that wasn't he, – he wanted to try to poke the bear. He tried to start something. He got put in his place. Got, got, his, got, his, got his gear thrown out. Got thrown up by the club with his fake ID. <laughs> what's, what's the dude's name? With, with, with the rainbow on it. What's that thing? That was – I mean, that was a good analogy. About who who had the fake ID, stuff. though? It was like McLaren or something. What's it called? The dude's name? McLovin. McLovin. <laughs> He got thrown him by the club with his fake ID like McLovin. <laughs> it just seemed like football guy stuff to me. It really but did. One That's guy, what it it, it, like. You know what? It's, it's, it's on a field. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get and, it. And one guy is not a football guy. MVS is a football guy. Pat, football guy. Yeah. Kelsey, football guy. Like, like they, out here try, they out here getting ready to do some, right? We're going to put our hands on each other. Like, do you guys just not even hang out with the kicker? No, like, is the kicker just not even... They don't. It's not even around. They just have their own club. It's just the four of them. On the, it's 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 fifty guys in the locker room. Just these four. That's all the people that can hang out. 
I think the long snapper, the kicker, and punter, them three. They just hang out. They got to like they each got other. Their, they got their own set of games they play. Like, it's like during practice where They can't even play bags with y'all. They got their own set of games <laughs> they play. On the other field, like, they go, they go, they go out away from everybody because they don't want to be a distraction while the, like, twos and threes are trying to, like, watch the guys. And they're, like, rolling the football to see who can get it inside the five closest to the pylon. And they, you know, like, like I guess that's their form of craps or something like that. I mean, they're, they're doing this all, every day of practice while you're running and they're just, like, stretching. And then special teams, you know, period, go kick some field goals, make some snaps. Punt return, punt, 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 you know, punt team. That's it for them. And they go, they go lift early and get out the way. They showered up by the time we come in. They all showered up and stuff. Man, you don't, you don't even stay out to break break it down with the team or nothing, like, bro. We on a whole different. My his job is what it is, and 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 listen, you know Tucker's been doing that at a high high level, right? He's been doing that at a really high level. So whatever he does to get himself ready to go play, nobody gonna like. Listen, he's he, he's good, man. He's good good, but he ain't good enough to be poking pack. No, oh, that, no, he that. messed with the wrong. Come on, man. You know this. Silly. Coming up on the other side, I would love to get your thought. You and I actually have not talked about Dan Campbell and how they handled the <laughs> second half of it. I just, I can't wait for what you have to say. And we also have, we've asked everybody that has come in studio this week to do this. You have to do it. You need to make your top five foods that come in a bowl. It? You want to phrase that? I have to do it. You want to phrase I would like for you to okay. do it. I would like for you grown. to give us your list of your top five foods that come in a bowl. We got Sean Barber in studio. It's the drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Kansas City is Nate Bolton. Can I get a big old M-I-Z? You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Sean Barber, have you seen Taylor Swift yet? Like in person? No, man. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Why would you tell me? Because that's my personal business, who I know, who I know, who I don't know, who I see. You I mean, know? you could have seen her at the stadium like, oh, yeah, I saw her. She was great. I'm going to keep it simple. No. Okay, I didn't know. I was asking. I'm, just, I, I'm an honest person, so I'm gonna tell you when I say no in that kind of way. That might not be, that might not really be no. <laughs> so you could be lying about it. Okay, all right. Do you want to talk about Dan Campbell first, or do you want to nah, give us man, your list? Let's give me to my listen. I wrote this list down. Okay, I'm all right. So, so can I? Uh, I want to play this for you because we have so many really important things to get to. Uh, so everyone that has come in studio this week, we have asked them to do one exercise. We have asked them to give us their top five foods that come in a bowl. I want to play for you, Aaron Ladd, so you can hear what he thinks. I, no, no, no. What? I don't want to hear nobody else's. I want to. I want you to hear. I want you to hear his list. I already got my list, so I want you to hear his. But list. But he might got something I got, and then they're gonna think I took his stuff. Go ahead, man. It's your show. <laughs> Number five is ice cream, which I don't eat out of a bowl anyway. Okay. He's stupid. That right there, that's number why he's four, done. This was mentioned last week. Gumbo. Incredible. Cereal, number three. Mm. And I've got hot and cold cereal. So oatmeal. Uh, and then I think of also like Frosted Flakes. Number two, 
this should be on everybody's five served in the bowl. Chili. Okay. Especially this time of year. I will put like Fritos or some kind of corn chip on top with like cheese in there. What's your number one here? Chili is number easy. two. This is easy. Soup. Home run. Soup. What do you think of Aaron Lyde's list? Did you hear the way he said soup? It, it was his number one. Soup. So, I, I mean, again, like, I, I think that when you asked him the question, he just looked up on his phone. What comes in the bowl and just put him in order? Like, I asked him at like twelve fifteen, so I hope he put a little bit more time and thought into it, it than that. With that list, it didn't seem like it. Okay, I was like, listen, man, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of particular type person. So when you ask me to do something, I'm really gonna put some time and I'm gonna think about it. Okay, and I think that's why I probably. That's why you're so good at the draft. I mean, I'm gonna send you the link to my draft picks from last year. Oh, I can't I, wait. I did the top thirty, uh, March third before the draft. And we can go over how my how my list was, and how those guys turned out. Scary. You actually really like Zay Flowers. I remember you oh, were yeah. big, you were a big Zay Flowers fan. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I remember. People talking about he might make it to the Chiefs. Not ever. Not okay. with his skill level and ability. But you know. that's why you're the, that's why we come to you. He was my number one. Barbara Kuyper. Are you ready to give us your list? Yeah, Rob, let's go. Let's hit start. the music. Hit, hit the it. Music. I can't wait to hear Barbara's five favorite foods that come in a bowl because the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Number five, man, I like some uh, pad thai. I like a little pad thai. When I get my pad thai, I get a combo meat, but I get some extra shrimp on there. So I like the chicken and shrimp and the meat, and I get the extra shrimp, and I get mine Thai medium. Okay. And if you know about Thai food, Thai medium is spicy. It's hot. It's hot. Man. I don't know it's, anything it's, about it. It make you sweat. So I don't want. I don't want medium. I I normally ask for what's the least hot thing that's on here, and that's what I want. I specifically ask the waiter that every time. Number four. I asked to go before Aaron Lab, but you didn't let me. But number four is definitely ice cream. A nice bowl of ice cream is the way to finish off every weekend. Uh, um, every man should have a bowl of ice cream at some point during the weekend to congratulate yourself for a job well done during the week. Be about your business during the week. Your nutrition, your rest. Get get your. Right, get, get everything you need to do at work done. Check all the boxes. And then on the weekend, enjoy yourself a bowl. Of, a, a nice three-scoop, I mean, a nice bowl of ice cream. I don't do no sauces, no no carrot, none of that on it, no whipped cream. Cookies and cream, three scoops of it. Three scoops. I was going to ask your favorite. You already three answered scoops. it for me. Cookies and cream. Uh, number three. Number three for me is corn pudding. You ain't going to understand this. My mom used to make corn pudding. Every holiday, that was her my favorite side. And if you know me and you talk to me long enough, you realize I don't do the main entrees. I'm an all-sides type person on Halloween and Christmas and Thanksgiving and all those other uh, places or times you cook food. But uh, I love some corn pudding, um, and that's I, I can eat a bowl of that just like that. I don't think I've ever had corn pudding well, before. It's really good. You should try it. Okay. Find somebody to make it for you. Does Does Beauty Shop make corn pudding? <laughs> Is that, are, are you referring to my wife? That's Beauty Shop. You're a barber shop and she's Beauty Shop. You did not get that. I did not stamp that as okay to be. I've any, been calling her that since the first time I met her. I called her Beauty Shop. We'll talk about this off the air. <laughs> okay. I don't play with nobody talking about my wife. And a good compliments, not compliments. Don't be hugging her. Don't be, no, don't be glancing at her or nothing. Just keep your stuff to yourself. Uh... Number two, number two is collard greens. I'm talking slow broiled. I'm talking with some ham hock, uh, 
you think Rob has ever had collard greens before? See, I, you 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 are on this two America thing. I think everybody's had it some collard greens at this time. If you are t- over the age of twenty, and you ain't and you don't know anybody in your life that's offered you no collard greens, you need to go out and explore. You need to open your wings, spread your wings, just go someplace that has some good collard greens. So nutritional. That's why I don't never get sick at things because I. Eat me a nice bowl of collard greens. I love collard greens. To answer yeah, your so question, good. I have. I Thank have family you. south of Mason-Dixon line, so yes, I've had collard greens. <laughs> I love collard greens. A little hot sauce, a little vinegar on mine. Oh, love it. Um, we on number one? Yes, this is number one. So right now you have number five, pad thai. Number four, ice cream. Number three, corn pudding. Number two, collard greens. Number one. Number one, again, I wanted to do my, 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 my list before Aaron. But it is definitely a bowl of chili, man. I, I get my bowl of chili from Red Door Grill. I put bacon. I put cheese on it. I put a little jalapeno on it. I get a little oyster crackers. Put them on it. Anything if I'm, I put it, I get a little sour cream. And I always get mine with a the, They got these jalapeno cornbread muffins with just a pat of honey butter. Got to go get me some. Come on, man. Red Door Grill. Bring it. <laughs> Shout out to my man, Josh. <laughs> one. How many locations? They got six of them in here in Kansas City. There's six Red Door I grills. should go to each one of them get a bowl of chili for the next six weeks on Saturday. Just stop by each one, give me a bowl of chili just to make sure that they're keeping there. What was your honorable mention? Like what just missed the cut of cereal. foods that go in a bowl? Cereal was like the, that was low-hanging fruit. That's why I didn't include it because I'm a deep thinker. And I, 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 that makes sense. I what's, try, what's your favorite cereal? Oh, man. Like what, all right, what is my favorite or what do I eat? That's like your di- favorite. Because I got high E1C, so I don't eat things with a lot of sugar in it. So if I had the chance to eat my favorite, it would be like Frosted Flakes. Oh, okay. be like Honey Smacks. But I got high E1C, so it would be like Tricks. I mean, that's why, that's why I didn't include it, because you hear I say Tricks? Yeah. That's how he said soup. <laughs> I got it. No, uh, this, was a, this was a good list. This was your list, the barbershop list of your five favorite foods that come in a bowl. Not one person has just said good old ramen noodles. That's in my top five. I love ramen noodles. Come on, man. You can't do no no ramen. I love ramen noodles. You, sh- you, shouldn't, you shouldn't even say that no more. Because you're old enough to not even. A little chicken flavor. Okay. I usually put one ice cube in there so it can kind of be cool by the time. I don't want to be. I got to do that for the next 15 minutes so I can enjoy my noodles. Now nah, I put one ice cube in there, cool that water down a little bit. I'm going crazy. I mean, I don't know how anybody enjoys ramen noodles. I understand why people eat them. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit hungry. I don't want to make a big meal. So I just yeah, that's why I love them. And, and they're delicious. Again. They're delicious. Come on. I, I love them. I'm serious. I Bro. love them. Okay. Like, I mean, There's some things that always stay stocked at Casa de Carrington. Ramen noodles and Pringles. I need them. I'm a, I mean, come down to 159. I'm going to take you to uh, Genia. What is that? It's a ramen noodles place. Okay, yeah, no, let's do it. But it's like high-end. Like craft ramen? It's like handmade joint. It's good. Okay. He's not going to like it. Is it hot? He ain't going to like it. I'm just asking because, you know, I don't want it. If it's got a little spice... It ain't nice. Oh, I thought you meant like the heat. Is no, hot? I just like, meant it. I was going to say like, what, how many ramen is you know ain't hot? No, like, I just didn't know if it was like, because you said you like your pad thai. You like it. it. Everything gets different levels. They don't just, it don't just come out the bowl like spicy, man. Okay, like, good. You, I don't, that's, keep that away from me then. Jeez. Keep it away from me. You'll like it, dog. Get a little egg drop in there and everything. Do you want to talk about Dan Campbell on the other side? Yeah. I also want to know what was your, what's your favorite Super Bowl. Let's do that on the other side. I love just learning more things about Sean Barber. Some of my favorite <laughs> things to do. Keep right here to drive. The drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck. 
Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. Sean Barber is here. Sean Barber, what is your favorite Super Bowl? What is my favorite? I guess it would be the first one I actually saw in person. Uh, out in, uh, How many have you been to? Ooh, I had to think about that. I, I, I mean, well, it's not been that, to that many. I mean, I, I had to think about it just so I don't lie. Three, four, five, maybe. Oh, wow. Um, 1998, when I was coming out of uh, University of Richmond, uh, preparing myself for the uh, combine in January of 1998, yep. My agent, uh, Brian with Sports Stars, took me and two other clients, uh, took us to the Chargers, was Qualcomm or whatever stadium, the Broncos versus the Packers. That was the Whirly Bird one, the Elway, the run. I mean, again, I was a college guy. I was—I don't know if I was really focused on the game as much as all the sights and sounds and scenes. like I was—I was just—I was soaking up the whole experience. So I think, I mean, we got there like four or five hours before the game even started. I mean, I stopped and, I mean, like again, just soaking up. You know, as a college uh, fifth-year guy and you know preparing myself for the combine, I just wanted to just. Yeah, this was the goal. Like that was the goal to, to play in one of these games in this atmosphere and everything. So. Um, What's it like? I mean, you've been to AFC, NFC championship games. You've been to enough Super Bowls. Like there is, there has to be a difference in terms of energy, oh, crowd. Oh my goodness! What's different? Um, I think this the the, the your your self control of the emotion. How do you control your emotions for that first kickoff? Like the first quarter of the Super Bowl has to be just a, a such a rush of adrenaline and anger and self reflection and like your, your whole training camp and all 18 or 16, 17 games flash before your eyes when you blink and uh, just finding a way to calm yourself back down and get into reality to realize, like, this is the moment. This is this is when every – any play could be the play that cost you either being a champion or being just another team that lost um, and having to, like, swallow that, digest it, and then get your, like, mindset back to alignment, assignment, execution. I mean, how many times have you heard me say that? You know, you're really big on that. And I was I was actually thinking this. So we'll probably talk about this more next week. The Chiefs defense has a chance to do something that just not a lot of teams do. You'd like mention that fine line. People will talk about Kansas City's defense forever, or no one outside of Kansas City will ever talk about this year's defense. And it really comes down to the next 60 minutes. If they win the Super Bowl and they play how they played during the course of the regular season and the postseason, and they hold San Francisco to 16 points and they win this game, people will, I mean, great as Patrick Mahomes is, this defense will get a lot of credit historically all time for how they played, how they performed, and how good they were over the course of the season. Or again, it will be forgotten. Like, I actually think that team in 2020 is, is the best Chiefs team they've had during this run offensively, defensively, how complete they were, how much better they were than the rest of the AFC. No one ever talks about that or remembers how good that team was because they lost and they got blown out in the Super Bowl. That's what's really at stake for this defense if they play well, especially against a healthy Debo Samuel, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, a healthy Brandon Ayuk. Trent Williams is going to play in this game. This is San Francisco's offense with two weeks to prepare. I think that if you asked internally, are the Chiefs as team, as as each individual player, are you, what is the word? 
Are you happy or sad that the Miami Dolphins had a few, like Jalen Phillips and a guy's, you know, cornerback out? Are you happy that the Buffalo Bills had Milano and Trey White and everything? Are you happy that um, the Ravens, you know, you, you feel it just didn't stick to their game? Or would you have rather beat them at their best? Like, like really when it comes down to it and you have time to reflect on it, the goal is just to get to this game. You just really want to win by one point. Just give me one more point in the playoffs so I can move on. I don't really care who they got lining up. I don't care who we got lining up. I just want to get one more point and move on. When it gets to this game in the Super Bowl, it ain't no tomorrow for nobody. This is it. This is, this is it. Ain't no, ain't, no, ain't no more games left of the season. I think that a man-to-man, you would love for that team to be full strength versus your full strength. You want them to play A-level against your A-level. You want their coaches to stick with their script, stay on, stay on task, stay on target. You stay on target and, 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 and let mano y mano, man versus man, what is it, uh, two men enter, one man leaves. Is that, was that the Terradome? Thunderdome, whatever it was, with Mel Gibson. Um, yeah, you want to walk away with no doubt, with no like, like no excuses, no nobody, nobody. Oh, if we were healthy and all, no, 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 you know, like bump all that. We beat, we beat, we beat you at your best, and we were clearly the best team this year. I, I think that that resounds and resolves in, in players' minds a lot, a lot harder and a lot more uh, than most people think. I want to talk to you more about the game next week. I, I think at least for me. I'm picking Kansas City to win. I'm picking Kansas City to win because they have the better head coach, they have the better quarterback, they have the better defense. And I told, I, I told you that in August, but go ahead. No, you're right. And I do believe that Kansas City has figured out sort of their style to win. And if you're going to give this defensive coordinator two weeks to figure out that team's quarterback, I think they're going to win. But I do understand why the algorithm has San Francisco as the favorite. Like San Francisco was a better team this year than Kansas City. And when they have been fully healthy – they have been the best team in the National Football League this mm-hmm. year. So I understand how, hey, you put all those numbers into a computer, you put all them all into the black box, how the black box tells you that San Francisco is a small favorite over Kansas City. But I do think that in these scenarios, you know this moment. I don't care how good Kansas City's run game is, how good Kansas City's defense is, the same way that their defense was lights out. On Sunday, they needed their quarterback to make one big play at the end of the game. And I just trust that their quarterback is going to make that play because I've seen him make that play for the first six years of his career. And I think that's the difference in this game. Like, that's why I'm picking Kansas City to win this game. I certainly think, like, San Francisco was a worthy challenge. Oh, yeah. Baltimore obviously was. They were the best regular season team. Like, you, if you're going to be the champion, you have to beat the two teams that were the best team in the regular season. And that was San Francisco in the NFC and Baltimore in the AFC. You have completed 50% of the journey. If you complete the other 50%, you are a champion. It's, it's nothing that's going to be more pleasant than to walk away and reflect upon this season and know that, you know, you, you went through the other conferences' number one team to hold up that Lombardi trophy. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes a, 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 a lower seed knocks off a one because of, you know, you know some, some, some kind of fumble. And then the, the, the two teams that play at the end are not really the regular season best teams and stuff like that. And so there is a little bit of a – you know, a team walking around thinking, oh, if we would, we would have beat either one of those teams in that, in that mm-hmm. situation. 
No, not this year. Kind of like what happened last year with the Rams. Or not, not last year with the Rams, but when the Rams won the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. Uh, I mean, I, I do feel like over the course of the last two years, these are the two best teams. Oh, like definitely. since the Christian McCaffrey trade, they have been the second best team in the league behind Kansas City, which has been the best team in the league. Uh, someone on the text line said they are willing to bet $5 that you cannot name three Usher songs. Can you name three Usher songs? And we need to make sure that they send you your $5 if you name three Usher songs. Um, Three Usher songs. Three. You're a P1. We've been talking songs all day. This is my confession. That's one. There's one. Okay. Yeah. You have one. Confessions. Uh, yeah, I heard the other two y'all thought was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Barbershop, you're one of my favorite people, man. Uh, You really are. Uh, Sean Barber, he'll be back next week, and we will break down this game. It was great talking to you. Players only coming up next. Keep it right here on 610sports.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.